Welcome to Season 2 of This Is Me. My name is Siobhan. In Season 1, we met everyday Australians and they shared with us their life-changing moments. In this new season of This Is Me, we not only have a new logo, but we have 10 inspiring stories that will hopefully let you walk a mile in someone else's shoes. If you have a story you would like to share, you can DM us at This Is Me Podcast on Instagram. In this week's episode, we hear a female soldier's story. Hi, I'm I'm 42 and I'm a mum of four and a wife. I was a digger in the Australian Army and in March 2018, I was diagnosed with PTSD. There's some stains on your photo. Can we go back to what life was like before you joined the army? I grew up in northern New South Wales on property with my brothers. You know, we had acreage and I had horses that I would spend most of my time with, riding through the cane fields. You know, we all had <laughs> rifles. Um, Dad taught us how to shoot. Oh so, gosh. How um, old were you? Oh, that was from about eight years old wow. onwards. Um, so we'd shoot tin cans off the tree stumps. Um, you know, we were, you know, your typical country kind of family, I suppose. <laughs> so you had your first child, a son, mm-hmm. and then did you join the army after having your first child? Yes. So I, um, I joined the army in 2001 and my son was born in 1997. Do you know what the percentage of women is in in the army. When I first joined and was posted to my platoon, you know, there was something like 70 men to about eight women. But I think things have changed since then and um, there's a little bit more equality, I suppose. And what made you decide to join the army? So my son's dad, uh, who I grew up with, he actually seen an ad in the newspaper I was looking at it and I circled a a job in the army for him. I said, you know, I'd like to move away to give our son more opportunities. And, you know, we really couldn't do that where we were. So, you know, we had to get out of um, our town. So he decided to join the army and eventually we were posted up to Townsville. And a couple of years later, I followed him in. What did you do with your son? You know, I had a lot of support from mum and dad. So when I first joined the army, I went um, down to Kapuka to do my initial training for a few months. During that time, my then husband, Jace, he deployed. Uh, So my parents, we flew our son to my parents back home. And when you were deployed, how long were you away from your son for? Uh, So four months um, I was away from him. I spent a lot of time training as well. There was a, a time frame there where it was 10 months So, yeah. Did that affect your relationship with your son? No, I don't think so. Um, You know, I missed out on um, Christmas once and I did miss a couple of birthdays. But in regards to our relationship, you know, I was very present when I was home. I think I always wanted to join the Defence Force from an early age, so I remember going to a seminar that our little town 
um, was hosting and it was for Army, Navy, Air Force and I was 15 and decided to attend that seminar after school and I got a, a bunch of pamphlets and I was really excited. I wanted to join the Air Force but when it come down to the um, joining the Army, it just seemed like the most convenient thing to do because my then husband was was in and over the first two years that he was in the Army, I just admired everything that was being done and what he did and, you know, the community within the Army. So I, yeah, signed up. <laughs> Now, you've actually spoken to me in the past about some really confronting things that you experienced in your time with the Army. Mm -hmm. Are you happy to share that? Um, yeah, I can um, share some of it. Um, I was deployed over to the Asia-Pacific, basically, and it's an exciting thing to do, you know. It's what you want to do, and I'm glad I got to do it. I, I'm glad I had the opportunity to do that. Um, but when you get there, the Australian Army was um, quite new there and we were the second group to head over. And um, I witnessed, you know, a fair few things. Um, one of them, the extreme poverty. And I think um, one of the most confronting things over there was the death of a child, um, and the circumstances surrounding that death was quite, yeah, quite hard. What happened? Um, <clears throat> so basically, um, uh, I guess it's a lot to do with disease and the lack of facilities over there that they had. Um, you know, they worked with what they had, but it just you know, compared to Australia, they couldn't save a lot of lives because they didn't have the resources. So that was um, quite confronting. And a few other things, I suppose. Um, there was a lot of unrest and there was a few adults that um, had passed away as well. So um, just, you know, seeing bodies on the side of the road burning and, yeah... over there for what was happening? Um, so we were over there to restore peace. So a lot of unrest, a lot of hostility, a lot of violence. Um, How do you restore peace? Well, the federal police were there as well. So a lot of arrests were made, especially one particular leader that were thrown in jail. One particular operation that I was a part of where we went in and confiscated a lot of weapons. Were you scared? Um... No, I wasn't scared. I wasn't scared of the unrest. You know, I was with my mates and I was also armed. So I wasn't overly scared. At the time, I didn't think I was. Did any situation happen where your life was ever threatened? Yes. As you can see, I'm very white and, you know, blonde. And uh, there was a lot of men over there that were more threatening me in a, a sexual way, you know, lots of threats of rape and things like that. 
but that was a constant, constant thing. Now, I remember you telling me a story once. We used to bring the children lollies. Yes, yeah. There was a little village that we come across by accident and there was no electricity. They just lived off the land in their little huts and we weren't allowed to leave our weapons in a vehicle so we parked up, me and my co-driver. There was a whole bunch of children there. There was a lot of children and you know, their parents, and they were just kind of staring at us, and we had to get our rifles out. I just sort of slung it to my back, and the children were just so scared. They were so terrified of us. I really hated that feeling of, you know, children being scared of me. So I asked my co-worker to take my rifle and just sort of stand at the car, and he really refused to do that the first time. So we didn't hang around too long. We were just there to scope things out. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. We went back to our camp, where our compound, and, and I spoke to my co-driver and I said, look, I really want to go back to that village. I don't want those kids to be scared of me. I want to take them something, you know, something, just to hopefully restore that faith that, you know, Australian soldiers aren't there to hurt them. I went into the mess that night when everybody had gone to sleep in our compound and the mess is where our cooks make all our meals and we all eat there. And I seen a bunch of cooking chocolate and I took it. And um, the next day we went back to the village and it took us about an hour and a half to get in up through the mountains. This time he stood at the, the vehicle with my rifle and I had this bag of cooking chocolate and these children had never had lollies or chocolate or anything sweet you know everything was vegetables and you know fish and things like that so they seen I had this stuff and I I sort of just you know kneeled on the ground and they just (laughs) come at me like a swarm of flies and they started eating all this chocolate that I they were just you know like little vultures (laughs) And it was everywhere and they loved it. And it was just, you know, it was just such an amazing feeling. And it's it's probably one of the the best memories I have over there is, um, you know, they seen that I wasn't there as an Australian soldier to hurt them. Coming back home, how did it feel? Coming back home was different I suppose um at the time I didn't really think that coming back home was you know it was just coming back home and I felt a little disconnected from my family I suppose um I almost felt a little resentful of just people in general that were back home you know and so privileged my tolerance for sort of anyone complaining about something so trivial become zero. Um, I know that the first couple of days I needed some time out because I was constantly with people overseas. So I needed a couple of days on my own. So I actually stayed in a hotel for a couple of days. Um, and my then husband, he, yeah, he understood. So I just needed to prepare myself a little bit, I guess. And so your then husband, he was in the army as well. Was he still, um, Going overseas and things as well as you? Yes. Yeah. Um, He deployed to the 
Asia-Pacific as well. And he also deployed to the Middle East. We both got back from deployments. I think his was to the Middle East in 2004. We both returned. Between 1999, when he joined, and 2004, I think we spent probably only three or four months together. So you separated and divorced your husband after that? Yeah, so late 2004 we separated. We were both quite young and we had just lost all levels of communication over those few years, so we separated. After you separated from your husband, Mm -hmm. did you take full care of your son? Yeah, so we separated amicably. You know, we're still great mates to this day. There was never any fighting regarding our son. We, you know, our son needed both mum and dad and he had two good parents. Moving on from Mm -hmm. that relationship, you had some other relationships? Yeah, so I met this guy who was really exciting and, you know, the life of the party kind of thing. At the time, I didn't realise, you know, that it probably wasn't one of my best decisions that I'd made. He proposed and um, and we got hitched, which was kind of crazy. He, um, he went missing uh, one day. I dropped my son off at school and this is how the relationship ended. He gave me a kiss that morning just next to the garage door and we never had any problems in our relationship. It was just a normal day and I got back and he wasn't there and nothing... You know, nothing was missing. I just thought he might have gone to a friend's or the shop or something like that. That night come and I hadn't heard from him, so I sort of messaged and tried to call and his phone was off. This went on for a few days and I thought something had happened to him, so I decided to file a missing persons report. And what had happened is he decided to discharge from the army Strangely enough, he put the discharge in a day after we got hitched. He had decided to discharge from the army and go and do a a course over in South Africa to become a private contractor. It's bizarre, yeah. But at the time, you know, I... After my deployment, I kind of noticed that I wasn't making good decisions and... I was drinking more and I essentially was sort of, I suppose, covering up feelings that I didn't want to feel. Um, So after he left, one of his friends started coming over to my house and, you know, was really sorry about what had happened and it was a good friendship and it developed into a relationship. I didn't want a serious relationship because I was on my way out of the army. I was struggling with mental health issues and I was essentially being medically discharged for those mental health issues, some depression and anxiety after the deployment. Did you stay in that relationship for a long time? Yeah, um, stayed in that relationship for a couple of years. He deployed to Iraq, so he was over there for about six months and he returned Um, I didn't actually even recognise him when he got off the plane. He had put on so much muscle. Pretty quickly I found out that he had um, been dabbling in steroids over 
while he was in Iraq. Uh, he was not the same person when he came home. The relationship become a little bit scary. There were a few occasions where we would go out and if someone was looking at me, he would just come out of nowhere and, and hurt them. Did he hurt you? Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, the first time he'd just lost his temper um, out of his own paranoia and jealous, very jealous. If I wasn't home by a certain time, he just was crazy. He just went crazy. This one particular time I'd come home and um, he was so worried that, you know, I was late because I had been with another male or something crazy. And he was demanding that I pull my underwear down so he could smell me down there. Um, I didn't want to because it was just such an insane um, request and um, eventually um, to calm him down, I just did it. And so this became something that I would have to do. And then one day I'd kind of had enough of that and I just refused and said, just stop it. Like, this is ridiculous. You need help. Like, this is not you. And he just, he just lost it. And he, um, he start like he hit me, um, in the face and, um, he was just insane and I couldn't calm him down. So I grabbed, um, the nearest thing that I could and I fought back to get out of the house because I thought I was going to get seriously, seriously hurt. And there was a belt near the bed and I picked the belt up and I just swung it across his face and I just ran out the front door. The second time he assaulted me was, we were out at dinner at the time and um, We'd gone home and I took a sleeping tablet to relax and just to go to sleep. And, um, sorry, this is a bit difficult. Uh, so he, um, <clears throat> he then proceeded, which I was unaware of, but I knew how many tablets I had in that packet and there was only four left. And he proceeded to give me um, what was left while I was really kind of out of it on this, um, this one sleeping tablet. Um, they were pretty strong. And I remember waking up. I have no recollection after that. But I did wake up the next day um, around about midday. Um, and I was completely naked. And... Uh, he had, um, he had sexually assaulted me. To be honest, I just thought, well, he is my partner and, um, you know, and it wasn't until I 
I decided to talk to someone at work, um, a police liaison officer, and um, about it. I said it was a friend, so I didn't say it was it had happened to me. And um, he had said to me, you know, that is rape. You know, the more I was thinking about what was going on within our relationship and the paranoia and the violence, I decided it had to end. When you woke up at midday, was he there? Yeah. There was blood everywhere, all down my thighs and um, on the sheets and I had some bruises and so whatever he had done was obviously quite rough and I um, I just looked I, I do remember this is I looked up at him and I just said to him what have you done what have you done and he laughed he just laughed So you left this toxic relationship? I ended that um, pretty quickly. And, you know, it was difficult because I kind of, which is strange, I knew what a good man was and my son's dad was a good man and still is a good man. And um, I knew that these two men that I had met after him didn't even come close to being a decent human being. So I, um, I, yeah, I, I just got rid of that and, sorry. You know, after returning from deployment, I was struggling without really noticing and behaving, you know, differently. And I wasn't really communicating with people well and I wasn't um, coping. So I was um, told that I was suffering from anxiety and depression at the time and um, what they called then adjustment disorder. Back then in my case, they prescribed me Zoloft and they just kept upping the dose I just felt so low within myself, like I felt weak almost. Um, And I felt like I needed to just really toughen up, but I couldn't. Were there other diggers and soldiers that felt the same way? There were a few um, that weren't coping very well. The last that um, slept in the bed next to me in my tent, she eventually suicided along with another close friend from my deployment. Both took their own lives. So you were discharged in 2007 mm-hmm. and you moved into civilian workplace, is that what you call yeah, it? So, um, yeah, so I got a job pretty quickly. Um, I've been there for 12 years now. <laughs> that transition to become a civilian I don't think ever really takes place. When you first join the army, you know, you train for several months, I guess, to become a soldier. And your identity is completely stripped of when you go in. Like you, you, that 
part of your life is gone and you are moulded into becoming an Australian soldier and that's your new identity and that's, you know, it's one to be proud of. And then when you, you know, you end your career in the army, there is really, I think things are different these days, but back then to transition out, you need that same amount of time as you had training to become a soldier to readapt to civilian life, the real world. <laughs> yeah. Do you think from your experience and what the confronting things that you had when you were deported, um, the toxic relationships you were involved in as well, did that, I would imagine, have a huge effect on your self-worth, your self-esteem and, and doubts you would have had? Mm-hmm. How did you get through that? I still had, um, you know, some really good supportive friends around me and I think that I'm a fairly um, resilient and tough person um, but I had these little voices like of my mates in my ear constantly reminding me that they were there. They were a good support network and they still are to this day. Not only that I also was raising my son and he was a constant reminder to me just to try and do better something really positive in your life happened in 2010? Yep, I met my now husband. Uh, He was fun, relaxed, you know, and just a really humble kind of guy. Helped that he was really good looking. (laughs) Three children later? Yes, three children later. Including twins? Yes, yes. Uh, So we have our seven-year-old daughter and our five-year-old twins and they are pretty wild. <laughs> so, How old is your eldest son now? My son's 22. I'm so proud of him. He's just such a well-grounded young man. You know, he is healthy, he's fit. He's just, yeah, he's pretty amazing. How would you feel if any of your four children decided to join the army? Would you be supportive of that? Yes, yep. No matter what the challenges are, I'm glad that I joined. Had I have not joined, I I suppose things would obviously be very different, but some of my best memories are also in the army. You know, I've got the most amazing friends. They're just the best. (laughs) There's some stains on your photo. They all cracks on your rusty Suicide is a health promotion charity founded by combat veterans. Suicide's team of combat veterans have built a proactive mental health program that is delivered through a mobile app. The app offers users programs in eight categories of health and lifestyle, all proven to reduce anxiety and depression. Contact them at info at swiss8.org.